Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American H Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, and I'm speaking to you from Orange County, California. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood. I am the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I am coming to you from Harlem. There is a 13-month-old kitten, 13-week-old kitten in my lap, <laughs> named it, um, Amsterdam Thelonious, and he is pawing at the mic, and I'm just trying to keep him comfortable. <laughs> Hi, I'm Seth Rodney. I am the opinions editor at the Hyperallergic blog. And uh, recently, my mom passed away, and I got a lot of love and condolences from my friends. So I'm in a space where I'm actually really grateful for all that love and for all my friends. Um, this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. And this is part two of two of our conversation. So hopefully you joined us last week and we're talking about, uh, the impeachment trial and kind of all the other things that connect to that. And Seth, I think you were up. So, so my question, and it's, 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 it, I don't know if it's a really useful heuristic or not, but. You, I, having watched the, I know that Stephen, you watched the, um, a lot of the impeachment trials. So you saw the new video that there was presented either on the first or second day. I think it was the second yeah, day. The first day. And we, and the video showed how this particular officer who lots of people have called out as being particularly, particularly heroic because he's, he, he led a group of, um, Insurrectionists away from mm -hmm. the senators mm -hmm. who were who, who, mm -hmm. who were uh, at risk, with, um, vulnerable um, at that moment, and they showed him actually the same officer. I forget. And Goodman is his name, I think. Um, that sounds right, Officer Goodman. Um, <laughs> yeah, running away from um, or walking quickly away from some protesters and Mitt Romney um, passing right by, sort of intersecting him and him indicating that Mitt Romney should and his staffer should come with him. And I, I saw on Twitter, on my feed, that Mitt Romney, something, you know, conversations around the idea of Mitt Romney needing to thank this man for saving his life, essentially. The, mm. the hypothetical is, what if they hadn't, uh, what if Goodman wasn't there? What if they had caught Mitt Romney or caught Speaker Pelosi or caught... Yeah, AOC, um, um, Pence... Yeah. You know, like, like what would have happened? And, and then, and then, and I'm, and it's sort of, you know, turning up the dial another notch. It's like, would it make a difference right now? Would it make a difference in terms of the trial or the way that people are talking for, about unity, um, or calling for that? Would it make a difference if they had caught one of them and seriously injured them or killed them? Like, I, you know, I, I don't think it moves the needle that much. I really don't. And does that disappoint you, or how do you feel about that? Uh, it makes it makes me takes me to despair. I mean, I just I really I, you know we started out the conversation last time um, with me being rather pessimistic, and I'm still in that space. I just I don't I hear what you all are saying, and I understand mm -hmm. that it is it is a kind of weak rhetorical shorthand to call all of this welter of dis distrust and fear white supremacy. I get that. Right. But what I keep stumbling over is the idea, the notion that there is a, a very co cohesive and powerful body, um, uh, a political party, the GOP, that regardless of what happens, 
to our notions of democracy or to our notions of fairness or to the bodies of the people who are our elected representatives, they are always going to excuse and encourage um, people who they believe should be able to um, act without accountability or without fear of consequence. That's, so, that's my problem. Yeah. I, I don't have a fast response to that. I, I really, I, it just, it takes me right up to the edge of despair. I don't, mm. I don't know that I'm despairing, but I do. Mm-hmm. I, I, well, I think a couple of things. One, I agree. I do not think it would make a difference for Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, or any of those people um, and other people like them that are less well-known. I am not totally convinced that it would not move the needle on public opinion more mm. and that you wouldn't have another significant, even if depressingly small percentage of Republican voters that would have moved even further. So I guess mm. the GOP roles, like the number of people that have left the party mm. um, after the election has far exceeded previous presidential losses. Mm-hmm. So there's always some people shift party affiliations mm. always mm-hmm. at the end of a, a presidential uh, election season. But the number that have left the GOP has accelerated. Mm. Um, so, yeah. you know, I don't, you know, I don't know, 2%, 3%, 4%, something like that. Mm-hmm. I think you, you might get a little bit more movement. Do I think it would make much of it? Do I think Ted Cruz would still make the same? This does not meet the legal definition of incitement. Right. Yes, absolutely. Right. Without, without any hesitation, I think that, people like him and his ilk would absolutely still cling to the same bullshit positions that they have right now. Mm -hmm. And that's upsetting. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, it's, it is very upsetting. Um, Are there other ways to think about this though, guys? I was wondering, mm -hmm. so we know what their positions are. So how do we act in lieu of that? You know, because I don't like thinking that Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, McConnell, or any of them are there. I don't want to. I don't underestimate their power, but I also don't want to overestimate it mm, in the sense I that agree. how Absolutely. we see liberty mm, yeah. and progressiveness. Because I do think whenever mm. I heard or have read or even read a personal account about why someone decided to leave the Republican Party, mm-hmm. then I felt as if, wow, well, some people are thinking. Differently, there's something's changing. Something mm-hmm. is shifting. Mm-hmm. Whether something's dying or growing, I think is almost irrelevant because it depends on who you are. Hmm. You know, you know, it depends on who you are. And I know we're talking about we think our, you know, we're talking about humanity, and we're also mm-hmm. talking about the reasonable amount of people who are trying to take care of each other as opposed to tear each other down and you know perpetuate violence on one another. But I think about positionality. So, Stephen, your your cat is attacking your painting. Yes. <laughs> so the whole time that we have been that Steven has been holding his point, Humanity, which I have to, I have to say, cats. Stop you cats. he's been he's been intermittently muting his microphone and going to battle with his kitten, <laughs> like shooting him with water. It's really it's really funny. And the thing is, this cat two seconds later, he's like, "Are we playing?" I'm like, "I just squirted you. Can't you go away for a while?" But, but he's like, "No." And I think right now, if I get him. If he's usually a little, sometimes he's like, oh, I just want to hang out now. Don't you still love me? And he'll say it quietly, but that hasn't come to that yet. But 
But I think that, like, uh, I lost a little bit of train of my thought, but I think there are other ways to think about these these people who are simply not going to vote in the public's interest, what right. I think is the public interest anyway, right. around yeah. um, these, you know, holding someone accountable for what they do because this sets an example for other people. Mm-hmm. I think it was Ted yeah. Lou from from California, right? Ted Lou? Mm-hmm. Who, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Who said that... Um, He's not worried, you know, because one of the arguments is that the Republicans are saying they're only doing this because they don't want to have to face him, uh, Trump, in a 2024. And he goes, I don't care if he runs. No, he didn't say that. He goes, that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is that he will run and lose and it will happen again. Mm. And so I keep thinking about, like I said, I'm trying to figure out ways not to get caught up in the one. These Republicans won't act right, you know, rabbit hole because, whoa, that's a long rabbit hole. I mean... They are the party of obstructionists. Mm, they have yeah. no policies I have any respect for that mm. I've heard. Maybe they do, but they're not on front. You mm. know, they're not the front-facing policies. They're very. We're going to make Obama the one-term president. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. your that's your yeah. policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah, um, yeah, other yeah. than you know, I mean, hatred of other people and other things. You know, and not. I, I, like I said, I, I, I'm just going to spend a lot of time in the next few years trying to see it a little bit larger and then try to develop strategies and talk with people, like-minded people who are like not so caught up in deadlock because it could happen. It could happen. It, it's, they don't have a super majority the Democrats, but what they can do is to do some things. They can get some things through. And I think they should focus on that. Last thing I want to say is that president mm-hmm. Biden said he wasn't here to unite the, the Republican part, the government. He was here to unite the, pu- the American public, which mm. I think is a different distinction, you know, a different distinction and mm. an important one to make, mm. because the Republicans will continuously go, Matt Gates, uh, can we say the L- Pledge of Allegiance here in this committee? We just said it. When the fuck we say that again? No. Oh, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. The Democrats right. don't want. Them. They're so unkind. You don't right. have anything. Th- these are your tools. Right. Yeah, I got a tool I haven't seen yet. And I'm not even that politically unaware. Please. Please. But but yeah. but here's the thing about that is that Matt Gates is actually relatively successful in ginning up the resentment and anger that um, is is uh, at the heart of of his constituency, right? I mean he he actually went into Wyoming into Liz Cheney's backyard and basically said. Um, y'all need to primary her we the next time she, yeah, yeah and, and get her the hell out from Republican leadership. So, you know, there is something to be said for, um, no, there's not something to be said. What I mean to say is he's not an idiot. And I think this is, and, and this is the mistake too that I made with Trump, realizing that even though among, with all his bumbling incompetence, he's also not an idiot politically. Like he knows how to, work those levers of resentment and um, fear to, to garner power. Um, mm. I, I, so I'm worried, I guess, what I'm, what I'm saying all that to say that transitions, right? Are we actually mm-hmm. transitioning to anything? And I feel like maybe not. Maybe this is just, we're just kind of caught in this, caught in mm. this Groundhog Day loop where, um, Violence bursts to the surface. We make some sort of rhetorical uh, gestures at uh, addressing the causes of root cause. Right. What we think of those root causes of violence, 
um, we go back to our respective corners and 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 engage in the same sort of cultural and legal yeah. f- um, mm-hmm. warfare that we've that we've been engaged in since I've been in this country, right? Since the early seventies, and then and then and and, and you know repeat. Um, I don't yeah. I don't know that we're transitioning. It doesn't feel that way mm-hmm. right now to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean h- historically. I mean, I I wanted to. It's it's really tangential, but you know, you'd said like Matt Gates and and Trump are not idiots. I mean, humans are smart, right? I mean, mm-hmm. just you know, the average human mm-hmm. is smart. You don't have to be Albert Einstein or Stuart Hall right. to understand how to manipulate other human beings. Like mm-hmm. that's literally like we're wired to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. It's really it's shame. And mm-hmm. it's uh, <laughs> wow. it's uh, whatever moral uh, compass that we have that makes that that limits our actions. It's mm-hmm. not a lack of intelligence, mm-hmm. I completely agree or with or, that. or or a mm-hmm. surplus of it that mm-hmm. that makes us good at manipulating people. I, I don't. I just. I, I don't think so. That the problem, you know, in a big history kind of way, you know, ten thousand foot, twenty thousand foot level. The the problem is that. Um, and there are there are scholars who disagree with this. I think they're wrong, but um, because I don't think they've looked at the research and the uh, or, or they're not looking at the right stuff, mm-hmm. um, is uh, war is what has led to increasing human cooperation and complexity. Mm. So you know, one of the reasons that that civilization showed up in China and Egypt so early is because, there was nowhere else for people to go, right? Historically, big his, big history-wise, you know, a group of people starts to amass power, and you fight those people, and then lose, and then you leave, mm-hmm. and you wander out across the plain, you cross the river, mm-hmm. you go across the mountains, you take boats across the um, the Bering Strait or you know the land bridge, whatever, and you just kind of expand. That, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. that wasn't mm-hmm. really an option in China. It wasn't really an option in Egypt, mm-hmm. and in in these areas where war essentially increases and improves cooperation mm. on the other side of it mm. you know the united states you know we had we had the british and we, you know you we've had a long list of enemies the, obviously are the the ideological the ideological war with communism throughout the 20th century mm-hmm. we don't really have anything right now mm. and so mm. we've turned on each other mm. and was it just was the war a distraction from not turning on each other well Maybe I, in a way i mean so you could look at it that way for sure i mean if that's if that's how if that's how you want to see if that's how you want to see that type of human uh, cooperation and i'm not saying it's not valid i'm saying you can look at it that way for sure what what I do think, though, is that I fear for the world at its current level of technological development and violent sophistication. Mm. I fear for the for a more unstable world. Mm. That th- that to me sounds like a world of increased human suffering mm. and mm-hmm. violence and death. Mm. Like I, I mm. just I don't you know I, I mean look at the sophistication of which. 
you know, like we are increasingly outraged at various things that happened in our history. Obviously, Nazi Germany is a pretty is a high watermark for mm-hmm. the organized, you know, murder of another uh, population of people. Mm. But China's really sophisticated at it. What they're doing to Uyghurs yeah. right now. I mean, like it's yes. it. Uh, yeah. That world scares me, yeah. like literally scares me. Um, and I'm not saying you know the United States is great and right. I mean, we were we were living under an, a, a system of apartheid until like yesterday. Right. So yesterday. it's not it's it's not. I don't feel like you know we're the great shining knight, but the what we're transforming into is something that I worry about mm. a lot, mm. a lot. But it goes back to what you said earlier um, in the podcast and I wanted you I meant to ask you this the difference between hope and optimism you said you felt mm. more hope was more and I quote from my notes <laughs> <laughs> that hopefully it was more um more spirit nearly spiritually a spiritual practice but you never got around to optimism can you talk a little yeah. bit about why you hope so, over optimism when it comes to what you dis- just said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My distinction is optimism is the belief that things are going to work out. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily mm-hmm. believe that things are going to work out. Mm. Um, I mean, and in fact, Earth, she's going to throw us off of her. She's going to have an optimistic future. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know how things are going to turn out. And, and in depending on what arc of time you're talking about, mm-hmm. there's zero room for optimism. Right. You just, you know, just. But does an optimism drive um, vision and drive imagination? About I what's think possible? hope. I think hope does. I think that's why. Okay. That's that. I I think hope. I I feel like hope for me is a bit more is just a more humble position. Like mm. it's, you know, mm. it's the, it's the thing from uh, the Mishnah that like, you know, it is not your, uh, it's not your responsibility to finish the work of creation, but nor are you free to put it down. Mm. So like, that I like. Yes. like you, okay. you got to still work. You got to still Absolutely. try and make something better. You're not going to finish that project. It's not the shrugging of the shoulders. Okay. I hope so. <laughs> no, right. work, right. Work. Right. Your job, do your job right. where you are, you know. Right. I, I picture when, when I think about the distinction between hope and uh, optimism, I picture being a skydiver and jumping mm. out of a plane and having the, the parachute not work. Mm. And I'm huddling towards the ground and I'm, I'm not optimistic at that point. I'm like, I'm, I'm probably going to die. Mm-hmm. But I am, mm. I might be in that situation hopeful. I might be hopeful in the sense of, Maybe I can jerry rig something. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm, maybe I can like figure out how to, to, to do something to make the parachute work. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's how I think of the difference. I like that skydiving thing. I was thinking about <laughs> as a metaphor for living, you're hurtling towards death. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And you think, you know, I hope I live a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. I hope uh, this. I get over this illness. I hope that uh, I do get a job soon. I hope mm-hmm. that that that. Mm-hmm. But we're, and I think the hurt. Like I think that if we were a little bit more healthier, and we could talk about death, and we could talk about illness in ways that weren't so um, punitive, mm-hmm. or then I think that we'd have a better chance at in transitioning better. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about death in the next podcast if we could do that in yeah. terms of transitions. I think it's. I think it might be useful. 
Yeah, I mean, and that makes sense. I mean, I, 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 I feel like with my mom just passing, that might be um, a, okay. a useful conversation for me to have too. That um, okay, um, Travis Stephen was just saying that we should probably talk about death in the next podcast because that is yeah. that is that is very much um, one of well, it's one of the key, it's one of the key transformations that makes us human. One of the key um, transitions that mm-hmm. we we both can do nothing about and try to our damnedest to do everything about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. It's a. It's actually a great. Um, uh, the the thing that we can do nothing about is the thing that produces like sort of the most spectacular imaginative constructions that we have. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, the, these, you know, these ideas of the afterlife and, you know, all the rest of it. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's, um, it's a good one. So I'm sorry, I had to, my, my computer was about to die. So, um, oh, I, we were, uh, Stephen, you were about to say something, I think. Oh, I, what was, I was thinking about, oh, I was excited about this idea of skydiving and your parachute mm-hmm. opening as a metaphor for life. And what you could do is you could slow it down. You could try Jimmy Rake something, as um, Seth put it. But you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, I, there's, uh, um, yeah. I know we're nominally still talking about the impeachment trial. <laughs> but uh, but the, uh, I read on, uh, it was actually on Quora randomly mm-hmm. a, a, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, I mean, sometimes you get, I mean, there's some good people on there. I agree. Um, I agree. And, yeah. And, um, they're, and good I, on, they're good people on both sides, Travis. Whatever I hear that now, just go. Right. So it was a. It was just. It was such a good analogy. So it's about death, and he, the, mm-hmm. the guy, was basically said, and I don't know who it was. I wrote the name down. I, I don't have it in front of me, but um, essentially, you know, you're born on a basically on the face of a cliff, and all. The moment that you're born, you're already up on your tiptoes, and your body has already crossed the axis beyond which it cannot turn back, and it's going to fall. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment when you are a child that you do not yet know that your body has crossed that axis, and you are still on your tiptoes and believe that you are firmly planted on the earth. Mm-hmm. But that in reality it's all you're already falling mm. and at some point you realize that you're falling mm. that you mm-hmm. that you you're now off the cliff mm. you, your toes have left the cliff and you are you are hurtling towards the rocks below mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the best thing that you can do is to wake yourself up and enjoy the view on the way down hmm. wow. and i thought something about the the metaphor, because uh, we've all had that feeling of losing balance. Like there's mm-hmm. something like we, you, you've uh, we've all had that moment where I mean, obviously not on a cliff's edge, but like where you go like, oh shit, I'm just gonna fall. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I've 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 lost my purchase on the world, mm-hmm. and that that feeling in your gut and in your brain, mm-hmm. and that moment of confusion mm-hmm. where there's nothing you can do, you're falling, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and that it's. It's that times, you know, some astronomically large number because right. it's it's right. it's absolutely everything. Right. Um, I thought it was a yeah. Uh, 
poignant. That's really mm. beautiful. That's really beautiful. I, I, I would just mm. tweak that a little bit. The editor in me wants to tweak it and say <laughs> <laughs> what you what you end up doing if you are someone who takes up that opportunity with both hands is you actually turn yourself because I'm, I'm picturing like you're falling backwards. What you do when you realize that you're falling is you turn yourself towards mm. the direction of, of, of descent and you enjoy the view. Like you actually, that's, you know, like that's that interesting. Lot. In my mind, you're falling forward. Oh, interesting. That's what I didn't say that. You're it. absolutely right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I did not say that, but in my mind, that's what I was thinking. That's huh. really funny actually. Yeah. Huh. So yeah, you know, the, you know, the impeachment is sort of the, the, the kind of nominal thing that took us through here, but it is, I mean, this is what we're doing as a community, right? We're saying, like, I mean, it's a social... What we're trying to usher in is a social execution. Yes. We're, we're basically trying to banish Donald Trump. Yes. From mm-hmm. the collective. Right. And, and that is, you know, so I mean, social separation is a kind of death, especially because, you know, we're, so, we're pro-social primates. Precisely. And so that is what we are trying to do. We are trying to say, you cannot sit by this fire. You are not welcome mm-hmm. to our weapons of war. You are not welcome to our light. You 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 cannot come here right, again. Right. You keep pissing and, on the fire. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right. On yeah. The fire. yeah. And and that's what we are going to in that is what our legislative body is going to fail to do. But mm. I mean Stephen, your suggestion is maybe that is what we are accomplishing for our our near term future, maybe I think there's something maybe. larger. Yeah, mm. foot around accountability mm. because we mm. we think about the Me Too movement, the BLM, and all the different mm. kinds of movements that are going on today. And it's I mean, at the core of it's accountability. Mm-hmm. This is what you've done. Why mm-hmm. aren't you being held accountable for this? Mm-hmm. And so these movements are going out, and I think that it's hard for me to to wrap my mind around the senators, um, the Republicans who. Who are like, I'm, you know, no matter what they say, I'm not voting to, voting mm-hmm. for this. I'm voting with the party. Mm-hmm. My brain goes, yeah. it goes to <laughs> back to the death thing in the sense that we're all going to die anyway. I'm going to keep mine. I don't need to yeah. see change. I'm okay. Yeah. So I wonder about that, that kind of. Well, the evangelical part, I don't think you can leave behind. I mean, the core of the Republican Party is evangelical. They believe they are saved. Uh, right. Yeah, no matter what they do. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, I mean, it depends on it depends on their flavor of Protestantism, but it might right. be that. I mean, I mean, m- much you know, Calvinist doctrine, and you know, which is is st- still alive and well, is that they are ordained to be saved and and you know this is eric from you know protestant work ethic this is mm-hmm, i mean not mm-hmm. eric from i'm sorry um uh weber's argument for the protestant work ethic you know basically the idea is that you're already saved so you work hard in life to show and demonstrate the fact that you are going that you're already saved because mm. if god is mm, mm. if essentially uh, i'm sorry if i'm glossing it too quickly i thought so th- so the protestant work ethic is this idea that you know, well, the question is, if everyone believes in, in in a certain version of the Calvinist doctrine that you are already saved, you're already predestined to go to heaven, why would you do anything in life? Right. What is there what is there to work for? Right. Weber's insight was that, well, what you work for is to show people that you are already saved and your prosperity is a reflection on the fact that your place in heaven is secure. Mm. 
And so this idea of economic success, the gospel of prosperity, et cetera. Yeah, is the idea that you're already going to heaven. Mm-hmm. And all of the things that you get in life, all of the, the houses and cars and boats and political power is God's recognition that you are already saved. Mm-hmm. And so that, that you uh, that that your your success is is a reflection of that as opposed to an effort to secure it. Right. That's um that's remarkably self-serving and smug, isn't it? Oh my oh my it's it's, it's the I mean it's really yeah, it I mean is. we could obviously we could have a very long Pretty conversation about guy. it like I mean uh, uh, yeah piss poor. Yeah. yeah. And I was thinking about the apocalypticness of Christianity in general. Like you're going to get you oh. in heaven. Yeah, so the, what yeah. are you doing down here? The messi- yeah. the whole messianic want. Yeah, the whole messianic drift. As long as you believe in Jesus, as long as you've been saved, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, then I think about Revelations and how when I was talking about the the theater, the cosplay that was going on in the Capitol, June, mm. uh, January sixth, that they thought they were fighting. I mean, I'm listening to some of the people, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't believe that they're saying what they're saying. But obviously, this comes from some sort of belief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're being called to power to mm-hmm. change, to stop the steal. Like it just sounds like so stupid to me. That early on when you guys were talking about these are not stupid people in terms of the, um, these two, um, or just Republicans. Or you, it's not good to call yeah. anybody stupid. You just, no, no. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I, <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. You're right. You need to call people. Yeah. But think yeah. Of, I think about folks who have whose diets mm-hmm. are sated on Fox News and all these kinds of things. And it's foreign to – there's a part that it, it's like it runs up to a glass window in front of me and, and, and falls. And I go, I just don't get it. But I do. I think I do get it. Wanting to believe something, the woman. There was a woman on, I think CNN, who was being interviewed about her. She was an ex member of the QAnon conspiracy. She said she just believed what anyone told her. Mm-hmm. She didn't read the news except for Fox. I think that she went online and she would go down these rabbit holes of conspiracy. I've done mm. those things. I've gone down. I like. Here's what I like about conspiracy. I may have mentioned this in a past um, podcast. I just like trying to figure out why people think what they think. That's what I'm interested in. How do you go from this to that? How does an armed man go into a pizza place? There are steps to that, right? You know, so I'm curious about that. But what I'm not curious about is it's like, just verify your fucking sources. Verify. You want to believe what you want to believe. I get it. But it doesn't serve you. Yeah. So, so I just, just and maybe we can wrap up the conversation here if, 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 if you all agreed. Yeah, um, sure. um, my friend Len told me a story, um, a couple months back about some guy he, he used to have, uh, some dealings with. I want to say that he participated in some, one of our like art practices where we go and look at art objects mm. and, and then mm-hmm. get, and then sit around and talk about them. Um, he'd moved to Florida and, um, had gotten into some trouble. The long story very short, he had, um, lost his girlfriend. His girlfriend, um, walked out on him, left him. And, um, he'd, he'd fallen, I, I guess, lost his job and then had 
arranged to make a small buy of some cocaine from someone. Turned out to be an undercover cop. And he was busted for that and went to jail and then went to prison for um, some time. And the story is basically how his life fell apart. And then um, uh, he he started to get it back together after he got out of Mm -hmm. jail and prison and whatever. Point is, um, when Len said to me, you know, this happened and he was drinking a lot and his girlfriend left him. I thought, you see, that's, that's, that's where the sort of story actually really is, but it's off the page. Cause there mm. were several, as you say, Stephen, there were several steps before that. Right before we get to that point where the girlfriend leaves, like you don't have a lit person living with you who just one day says, Oh, well, time's up. I got to go. Like that doesn't happen. Like there's steps. Um, and I'm, and and I, I guess the point I'm making is just that even with the QAnon folks, there's steps in their lives. And I think this is where our journalism really fails us. There are very, very few stories which explain and, um, illustrate what those steps are to get them to the point where they are Mm. so desperate to believe in something that they will believe in that. Like that story needs to, those stories need to get told. I'm starting to see more of those stories, Mm. but they're usually by people who left it, left, um, no longer believe in QAnon conspiracies or people who, as I was, I think talking to you guys earlier about the, um, people who've lost their parents right to it to yeah right you know to it and they're trying to figure out how to stay in touch with these people and and build meaningful relationships this is i'm seeing more of those stories now right because i think that with trump out of office you know you're feeling a big void here you guys got to report on something (laughs) yeah 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 for sure the the only thing i the only thing i guess the only thing i would add to it is i I mean i i of course i agree with all that um i i do think that I don't want to pathologize everyone though, because I think mm. some people just like to burn shit down. Mm. And, oh, and, okay. and I think that some people mm. like to wreak havoc and cause trouble. Mm. And I think that mm. some people just resent other people's accumulations and, and successes. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's both. I don't think that's, I don't think there are enough humans to sustain a movement of that size. Mm-hmm. But I do think that those people are kind of in the vanguard mm. of those movements. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that it doesn't change. It doesn't, all it does is just add another, you know, just sort of uh, texture to it. Because I, like you said, Seth, I mean, like sort of the effort to in journalism, which clearly we could use more of, to tease those stories apart is actually going to be helpful for many people that are involved, so. that are trapped Agreed. in those and they're not happy and they don't know how they ended up there and they don't mm, precisely uh, you know you know they don't know where to go next yeah yeah um so any i mean last word steven stuff i mean it- <laughs> Stephen had a great like it looked like Stephen was about to say something he just like no no I'm just uh-huh. I'm sorry I'm dealing with cat cat uh, cat, cat daddy right now okay. so my cat jumped down and I was forming a thought he was like nope it's mine I'll take it I'll take it from here <laughs> so um, alright alright we'll speak yeah. yeah we'll talk to you guys next week take care have a good one